Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. That's AJ, that's Eric, I'm Rudo. Look, we have compared the top of this Avalanche core to Sack and Forsberg, even Hayduk, the old core of the Avalanche, a lot. What we haven't Holy done, Trinity Part 2. Yeah, basically. But we haven't compared them beyond that all that much to some of the other greats, to Hall of Famers around the NHL. And we have Eric here, who's happened to play with a handful of Hall of Famers that are pretty good. They're okay. They're okay. Okay. <laughs> so I figured we'd take a look at this and see, obviously, their careers are far from over, but how they stack up against some of these all-time greats that are out there and what trajectories these players are really on in the NHL. So I wanted to start very simple without... Thinking too hard about it, Nathan McKinnon, what's the first comparable player that comes to your mind? He's thinking. Yeah, don't think that hard. Yeah, I really... I mean, I don't think he's as good as Sackick and Forsberg were. I agree. I And his combination of skills, you know, the, the power and the speed that he plays with. It's not something that you, that I remember. It's fairly a unique, lot of, for sure, yeah, from the '90s and early 2000s. Usually, guys were strong or guys were fast. To be yeah. both was unusual. Yeah, I don't know. I'm having a hard time on it. Well, I can help you out. I mean, you um, pop off. Yeah, um, but you say you know, Sackick Forsberg. You're right. I agree. Yeah. You know, because for me, it's the consistency of those two. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about it yesterday, and. Forget about the style of players. Obviously, Joe was different than Peter, and obviously Nate's different than Joe and Peter. And mm -hmm. uh, but they're elite. You know, they're elite, and all three are elite. And then, but I think for a span of ten years, Joe and Peter, I I don't understand how you produce like that. Like it's absolutely <laughs> crazy. And, and then you reach, obviously, the ultimatum. You know, the not the ultimatum, but the ultimate goal uh, in '96 and '01. But you know. They've been to the semis, right, like four times or whatever. I mean, they were always there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think if you could have, you know, injected some oxygen or, you know, do all maybe the tools that they have available nowadays with those boots and everything, and, you know, maybe those guys would have had more gas in the tank and maybe they'd have more uh, championships. But if I go to McKinnon, I go like this, and I'm not going to – I'm going to compare him to an all-time great that passed away this past year, Guy Lafleur, and I'll tell you why different styles of players but i think that nate came in with a lot of pressure being the number one pick right and i think Guy Lafleur was the same thing he was the the savior of the montreal canadians and he was the next up and comer and you know this is kind of if you look at nate's start you know obviously joe had been gone now and peter had been gone and they were still looking for you know didn't work out with matt duchene or you know they're good players you know i mean paul stastny but no one was elite and then sure. be able to take over a game. And, and if you look at Guy Lafleur back then, there's two factors for me. The first one is he came in with a lot of pressure and, you know, not necessarily, he didn't really deal with it the right way in the sense that if you look at his first three, four years, Nate, you know, the production is okay. It's you fine. Know, it's fine. You know, it is what it is. You know, yeah. And if you look at Guy Lafleur back then, it's the same thing. And then you have guys that are doing pretty good around the league. So back then you had Marcel Dion that was, 
you know, scoring almost 50. And people are like, oh, my God, they picked the wrong guy. You know what I mean? Like, and, and same thing with Nate. The first few seasons, you can, you know, you look at Barkov. And, you know, remember there was Seth Jones. And, you know, you're yeah. like, oh, maybe they picked the wrong guy. And, you know, ultimately, you know they picked the right guy now, you know. But uh, so there's that factor right there of, like, a slow start maybe to their career. But then at me, it's the ability to take over a game, and I call that the ooh-ha factor. You know, like they're ooh. I mean, they're, those guys yeah, are. They make they you lift, say wow they make for sure. You yeah. Say wow, and they make you stand up on your seat, or or that goal against St. Louis a couple of years ago in the playoffs. Jesus. It's just not many people can make those plays. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, even like Joe is not that type of player. You know what I mean? Joe scored. It was his wrist shot. You know, he didn't really have the ability to take over a shift like that. And and, and I think that McKinnon, when he takes over. It's pretty special, you know yeah. what I mean? And that's why I go to Guy Lafleur, you know what I mean? Like with the hair flying and, and everyone like getting on, on on the top of their seat and you know, hoo-ha, and you hear it in the building and it's pretty amazing and Nate's got that and that's why I would compare him to, to, to Guy Lafleur. First round, you know, first overall pick, slow start, but guys that take over a game and they really have that factor where they make you like, wow, what was that all about? The next day you talk about it at work and you talk about it yep. with, with amongst each other and guys in the locker room on the bench are like, have you seen this? This is crazy. It's as Chad is kind of mentioning here. I think the one thing McKinnon lacks to truly be considered an all time, all time great is, is his shooting ability. Not that it's bad. Yeah, but I mean, he produces his goals by volume a lot more than sniping all day. Yeah, it is it is interesting to see a guy that's right in that baseline of around forty goals per year. Yep, we're talking about oh, his shot's not that great because he's percentage wise he's like a tenish percent I think shooter, it's a little under ten. Yeah, and he's had some really really bad years, and in the last couple of years. He's had really like slow starts to the year. Two goals in December yeah, before yeah. he absolutely catches fire, and you're just like, "What the hell is <laughs> happening right now?" And like that's, I think that's a. It's interesting because you say, "Yeah, he gets it by volume." Yeah, he leads the league in shots every year. Yep. You know there are games we don't even blink anymore when. Oh, he. Uh, he has nine shots on goal in a yep, game, and it's that's just normal. You see that now yeah. out of another guy, you know. Nazem Kadri had a game when he was here where he had he had 10, 11 shots on goal one night. And we were like, it's the best game of his life. <laughs> and like Nate, we're just like, we call it Wednesday. Yeah. You know, like it's so different. The world that the, like the way that we judge a Nathan McKinnon now yeah. versus five years ago. Still really yeah. good players elsewhere in the league. So, yeah, it's his it's it's the, the way that he produces shots. Uh, and like he throws like a lot of nothing shots at the net where sure. it's like it's never bad thing to shoot but you know so the one thing i can add to that too if you're going to compare joel sackic shot you know to Nate, obviously different That's arguably a top five all-time shot for me the shot, best man. of all time like, <laughs> i mean is. mike bossy was in there you know but i think that you know what's <clears throat> joel is like the one thing about joel and then playing with him a few years is i don't think i've ever seen him miss the net and when you don't miss the net, and I'm talking about practice, forget about games. You didn't miss the net in games, but you didn't miss the net in practice, and that's pretty remarkable. It's pretty amazing. So if I compare him to, to Nate or whoever uh, nowadays in the league or in the abs, you know, guys will take a lot of shot attempts, like you're saying, but but sometimes they miss the net. And it's like you know, and I know guys pick corners a lot more than they did back then. You know, like we would, 
you missed the net back then you weren't playing for a while <laughs> you know what i mean like you know but uh you know it's a little different now they want guys to pick corners but guys like joe like he never missed the net it was amazing and five hole was his big shot right and i know people talk about his top glove wrister but if you go back and a lot of his goals were five holes so different right it's so yep. different but hey you're talking about you know unbelievable players here right now you know what i mean whether it's past or present i yeah. mean mckinnon is certainly going to be at the top of those discussions for sure in 15 years from now yeah so so that's where i wanted to go next with mckinnon is what would it take for him to start getting into an all-time great conversation i think we all believe he's on a hall of fame path but there's a pretty big difference between getting into the Hall of Fame and being a name thrown around with Joe Sackick, with the Wayne Gretzky, with that level of hockey it, player. It honestly might just be like my kid brain <laughs> having grown up, you know, as a child through just as this next generation of children the becomes adults. Forsberg the, era, but like I have a really hard time seeing McKinnon surpass Forsberg. In terms of like what I think of as like a caliber of player, we got to get like some eight year olds on and ask them how they <laughs> feel about it. You know, like I'm like, you're right, though. like I You're just, right. It's bang on. Somebody <clears throat> find Blake and Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that's. Yeah. Like I just, like Forsberg, Forsberg, there's always the what if. Yeah. Which you're the, the thing about having blank spaces like that is that you fill them in with whatever you want. Yeah. And with Forsberg, you're like, oh, we could have filled him in with hundred, like it's just raining hundred point seasons. You know, he's he's get, he gets seventy assists a year. He, he goes down as one of the all time great playmakers. And we don't have a what if conversation. We have an oh my god, that was incredible. And with McKinnon, you know, yeah, he misses ten games a year, but so what? Yeah, you know, still like he's puts up ridiculous yeah, numbers. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at he's been so close to stringing together like four or five hundred point seasons it's literally like four or five points away from three straight yeah (laughs) like like he's so close to having that kind of consistent level of production that you almost never see in the nhl except for guys like mcdavid or crosby he's he's right there but i think that look he's right there he's not across that line because i don't know that we'll ever look back and say that nathan mckinnon was a you know when we did the top 25 list last week, they people who don't follow hockey were asking me, where is Joe Sackick all time in terms of hockey players? And I was like, I think he pushes top 10. Pretty easily so top 15 for sure. Certainly yeah. top 20. We, we said, hey, oh, yeah. no doubt top 20, maybe top 10 for some people, you know, whatever. I don't know that McKinnon ever quite gets to that height. I think he's more like a and, and like boy, are you talking about splitting hairs here? Yeah. Between <laughs> oh, you're a top forty player of yeah. all time and a top twenty player of all time. Yeah. I think I think McKinnon for me right now, I think we would if McKinnon continues this on, it's probably more like a I guess as a regular season player, top forty. But if the if the postseason stuff continues, it's gotta count for something because he's been such a dominant postseason player yep. every year of his career. He's been a point per game guy or way better than that. I mean, he's, I think he's like sixth or seventh all time right now in points per game in the postseason and among guys with 20 playoff games. And Miko's one of the bar. six ahead of him. <laughs> so, yeah, Miko's right behind him. Miko's at nine. Yeah, and I think McKinnon's go. at six or seven, one of those. Yeah, they're, they're right in there. So, but, um, we'll save the Miko stuff for later. Yeah, but yeah we'll get with there. McKinnon, we'll get there. that's got to count for something that 
a guy who's a point-per-game player in his career in the regular season, is even better in the postseason. I agree everything you're saying. I would add to it the only difference, and I am biased like you a little bit, you know what I mean, with, sure. with Peter and Joe. I am. I just, it just is. You know, it's a, it's just, I think it's human nature. It's not that I don't like Nate McKinnon or Kale McCarr or Randy. Yeah, it's just, of course. I'm older, and this is the guys I know, and this is the guys I play with. So it's a little different. Uh, but are they in the same category? Absolutely. That's why we're talking about them, mm -hmm. right? But I think that to get, like you said, like Rudo said, to get to that level, fair or not, I think it's it will depend here on the next four or five years of, you know, especially them being the leaders of the core. You know, the team success that Joe and Peter had is obviously above Nate's right now. You know what I mean? And I'm not blaming Nate because, like you said, he's been, he's been performing, he's been there. Yeah. But I, we'll see the next four or five years where they go, what's the number of playoff rounds that they've won? And, mm -hmm. and I think then you can start comparing them to, to Joe and, well, and, and Peter. So here's my next question with McKinnon then, next four to five years. Eric, you're the resident McDavid stan on the pod or the Edmonton fan at the very <laughs> least. Does Mac have a heart in him, or or is McDavid too big of a roadblock for a little bit of that uh, trophy cabinet filling? I know. I mean, that's a good question. It's a fair question. Um, I, I do believe he's got it in him because he's, he looks like a driven human being, right? Oh, for yeah, sure. Of course, right? You know, <laughs> no I mean, about that. You know what I mean? And that's that's how you win, right? You don't win without that. You need an engine, and he's got the engine. Uh, do I think he wins a hard, probably? Uh, does that mean that? He's got to bring it up a notch a little bit to, to get to McDavid. But then again, on the flip side, I'm a team guy too, so I'm like, hey, <laughs> Nate's done it. They've won. McDavid hasn't done it, right? You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, ha. But yes, to answer the, 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 the MVP trophy, I do believe he's got it in him to get there, and I, I think that he's got the cast around him too to make him get there. Uh, people forget about McDavid. Like he's got Drysaitel. He's got you know. There's some good players, and I understand they're top heavy and everything. But usually when he steps on the ice, he's with some pretty good players. You know what I mean? And yeah. and same with Nate. You know he's yeah. got a good cast around him. We're about to talk about one. Uh, yeah, of them. <laughs> that's right. You know what I mean? So I, I do believe he wins a heart. He does. Uh, but I think to get to that status, you know, it, it will have to be more. And fair or not, you know, team success. You know, in, in the playoffs and. And to be in that conversation with the Joes and Peter. Better chance he wins a heart or a con Smythe? I, I, right off the bat, I would say con Smythe. You know what yeah, I mean? Me too. I, I think so. I mean, you know. I, I, he's just a different beast in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, and like, he's going to, to win a con Smythe, he would very likely have to go through McDavid's Oilers yep. again. And he would just need an, that kind of postseason. He just needs to keep well, having the kind you, of postseason he always has, right? Look, you said it off the top of the show. The way McKinnon is built with speed and power, mm. it's like prototypical playoff power forward. It's yeah. like he's just absolutely built for that style of hockey in a way that very, very few players ever have been. And, the, and the, there's a drive in there. Right. And I don't know. I don't know him personally. You know, I, all you have to do is look into his eyes. You can see it. There's a drive there. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll relate it to a, maybe an old abs you know, player. Again, more from my era was Patty Waugh. Sure. I, can, I can tell you that. A quick story. In 96, they win in Florida. It's like, I don't know what it is, 5 in the morning. I'm exaggerating. But it was like, it was triple it was like, overtime. It was triple pretty late, overtime. Yeah. I flew in from L.A., took the red eye. I haven't slept in like a day and a half. And I'm there for my family, for my, you know, my dad. And, uh, you know, so I'm I'm there with my brother. And then, uh, of course, Krupe scores that big goal. And, and they go in there. And then 
I play for a different team. I, I don't want to go in the locker room. I really don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> First of all, I'm jealous because I didn't win and I want to win it and we didn't make the playoffs. I'm like, boy, I got a ways to go. But so I'm sitting there. Of course, they come and get you like, no, 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 get your butt in here. And I'm like, all right, fine. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm just hanging out in the uh, in the training room. And, you know, again, they just won, what, 30 minutes ago? And Patty's sitting on the chair there and he's got a beer and he's just sitting. I'm just sitting next to him because one guy I know because I grew up with him you know, in my house and and I and I'm telling you when I talk about drive you're talking about a guy that I already had two two cups of Montreal this is his third one obviously a crazy year with the trade and it's been 30 minutes and he's just sitting there and everyone's going bananas in there and he's just talking with me and, and again someone he's known for a long time and yeah. we're talking and all he's talking about is how they're going to repeat next year he's already thinking about <laughs> the next uh, yeah, one how yeah. you and all. I, I, I remember Don, i was like wow this guy's nuts like you know what i mean like in a good way you know what i mean he's like wow that's all he can think about right now is how are you going to do it next year but those guys that's how they are they're special and they got that drive and i do believe mckinnon's got that drive in them yeah and i think that's why patty liked him so much right in juniors and you know yep. obviously as his coach here and with the avalanche single-minded so, focus for sure looking a, a bit a bit like looking in a mirror in terms of that competitiveness 100 percent. yeah well we do have a little bit of a competition going on with breckenridge distillery they've got a couple of different whiskeys that you can go vote on at breckenridgedistillery.com get over there go check it out for your chance to win a bunch of awesome prizes including broncos and Breckenridge Distillery Swag. Uh, they have two different Broncos blends, Ed McCaffrey and Alfred Williams. Uh, again, BreckenridgeDistillery.com to vote on those. And if you want to potentially win two tickets to a suite for the New Year's Eve game against the Chargers, you can go on Instagram, hashtag Broncos Bourbon, and post your favorite Broncos photos there uh, with the hashtag. They'll narrow that down on December 1st, and then there'll be a fan vote from the 4th to the 10th of December. So make sure you're going to breckenridgedistillery.com slash bourbon of denver broncos to enter get those posts up on instagram with hashtag broncos bourbon win yourself some sweet tickets you can drink breckenridge distillery in a suite at mile high stadium which let's be honest it just tastes a little bit better when you're in a dope suite it's just the truth uh go check them out go to breckenridgedistillery.com today you can order their products in all 50 united states and even get delivery from their website of course you can also find them at your local liquor retailer as well uh and then we're also brought to you by the folks over at uh kind love so if alcohol's not your thing totally cool get it maybe you want some weed instead and that's where kind love comes in you can go to kindlove.com and use code DNVR to get 25% off all of their in-store products. They're one of the OG dispensaries here in Colorado. They've been around since 2010. They've been doing it for a very long time. They also all grow their own stuff. It's all farm to table. They take care of you. They know where everything is sourced and comes from because they source it from themselves. Uh, they have a bunch of amazing products. AJ's big into their gummies. Uh, the Turbo Joint is maybe the most popular product through the DNVR staff because the entire staff can smoke one turbo joint and all be chilling because that's how powerful it is. So Got some of those gummies the other day. It was great. There you go. They're, they're the good stuff over from kind love. Go check them out, whether it be flour gummies or other products to use the DNVR code to get 25% off. Use the QR codes on the screen right there or go to kindlove.com to see their full ordering menu today. AJ, I'm going to, I'm going to throw to you on this pick of the week. For DraftKings here because you are the big tennis fan. Yeah. Who you got in the U.S. Open? 
Men or women's? Uh, let's go. Let's go. Women's. Oh, of course. The one I don't have an <laughs> okay, answer. Okay, men's then. I mean, I will tell you for women's, Coco Golf looks great. There you go. She looks. She looks great. Go America. But uh, the dude, the Americans have had a <laughs> phenomenal showing. Yep. On both both men and women. I mean, getting three men that, to, a, to the to the round been of sixteen. A long time. <laughs> yeah. In I don't think I think they said it hasn't happened since the early two thousands. Yep. Which like. This has been like the worst period of uh, in American men's tennis in a long while, like yeah. ever, like the last twenty, like when Randy Roddick retired, it was yep. like, well, it's John Isner, uh, and, now, and now I mean he, he well, passed the torch, right? Now, yeah, yeah, well, and like the 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 Shelton Tiafo match was incredible stuff. So, yep. Um, I mean, I I I still think men's. I mean, I, I'm not betting against Alcaraz. I'll take him over Djokovic. That's fair. I think that's the final. But Alcaraz is incredible. He can just run you to death. He's got every shot in the bag. I can't believe he's 20 years old. Like, <laughs> it's insane to me that he is 20 and as good as he is. Is he the next one? <laughs> yeah, big time. <laughs> um, Yeah, so I, I would take him for the men's and then for women's. I mean... I guess I'm just going to be a homer about it and say, go Coco Golf. I'm here for it. Whatever you want to bet on, you can do it with DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other bet bonus bets, excuse me, expire seven days after insurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We talked about Nathan McKinnon as a volume shooter, but he has a running mate, and whether they're playing together or playing on separate lines... They're still running mates. Miko Rantanen. Does he have the best shot on the avalanche? Let's start there. Is he the best shooter currently in Colorado? Yeah, come on. Okay. Just checking. Just checking. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I tend to watch at family sports in the morning all the time. And again, I go back to Joe earlier. This guy never misses. He never misses. He doesn't miss the net. And he's got that shot from the right side there. You know where it's going. And he doesn't miss, and he works at it. He works at his craft, and yeah, I would say, yeah, I agree with you. He's probably the the best, most accurate, and the most you know, like productive shot on the Avalanche. And numbers wise, he's a career like sixteen or seventeen yeah, percent shooter. It's very high Just percentage. An astronomical number that puts you in all time great territory, especially for a guy who scores as many goals as he does. Right. You, you see guys like Tangay who shoot close yeah. to twenty percent, but that dude puts in twenty five goals a year. He just yeah. doesn't shoot that much. Yeah, yeah. he shoots one hundred and twenty five times, right. and you're like, okay, like yeah, he's should probably do it a little bit more, man. <laughs> he had a pretty decent shot. Here, let me start here. Yeah. Do we all think Miko is on a Hall of Fame path right now? Me, yes. Okay. Yeah. I do. I think the bigger question is what will it take for him to be the best finished player ever? Because chasing down Yari Curry and Timu Solani is going to be tough is, to catch. Yeah. Those, are, those are a couple of guys that have pretty lengthy resumes when you walk through them. 600 plus, right? So, long way to go. <laughs> Put it that way. And again, we talked about that. It's, 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 it's consistency, right? You know of course. I mean? like, yeah. You know, 
It's easy to have one good year, and it's not easy to have 12 good years. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. It's, yeah. I think he's on that path. I'm a big fan of the Moose. I, I am. Me too. I, I think if you go back at, what was he, 10 or 11? 10. Uh, 10, you know, that, that's a heck of a pick at 10. That's yep. a steal. Um, over he's, the years. Funny enough, the best. Tenth since overall Timu. pick since Timo <laughs> yeah. Solani. That's, yeah. you know, <laughs> there you go. But it's funny because, yeah, that, that's a steal at 10. It, it's easy to, you know, look back years later. But he's outstanding. He dominates a game. And I, I just think that, I think you said it earlier, about unique size and skill. It's almost not legal. I mean, it shouldn't <laughs> be legal. I mean, it's not. Like, there's no way you should be that big and that skilled. Usually that's a combo that doesn't exist, and it sure exists with them, and that's why it makes them so unique. And, uh, you know, of course, we can you know keep talking about them for, for a while here, but, but I think that in the NHL, if you're talking about a guy that can play center, a guy that can play wing, a guy that obviously is deadly on the power play with that shot, a guy that's won, uh, you know, a guy that 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 plays in all three zones. He plays the right way. He's not a cheater. And maybe at first, you know, he had to learn a little bit. And that's why I like the fact that guys go in the American League. I like the fact that he went to San Antonio. And again, it was it's a European. It's a little different with the rules, right? If yeah, you're under yeah. 20, you're allowed to go in the American League. Where a Canadian kid or you know, they are American kid, they have to go back to their junior team. Uh, I. I'm not sure I like that rule, but, you know, that's another topic. But, you know, I think him going down there and learning his craft in the American League was huge for his development. And then is he the best left winger in hockey? I'm biased. For me, it's the answer is yes. You know what I mean? Like, so that's – and, again, left winger, whatever you want to put him. Sure. He right. could, you know, is he one of the best wingers in hockey? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a left shot. There I'm, you go. I'm with you on it. My question, though, is – does he get too cute at times, and is that holding him back from becoming an all-time great? Where he, many, many times, whether it be the the chip shot thing that he tries inside of the net, or the one that he actually makes work semi-regularly is the the banking goal off the back of the goalie. He does love that. It, and and on, on one hand, it's a testament to his unbelievable skill. On the other hand, I do think he leaves some people wanting a little bit more in those situations. It's me. It's more than just you, but it is <laughs> definitely me. He drives me crazy. <laughs> like, I love it. Love you, it. you can just see because when he's engaged, it's so obvious yep. what a truly dominant player he can be. And then he he also knows that he can shortcut his way through November through February. He can just cut as many corners as he can and score two points per night. You know, and just just. The guy drives me nuts because it is it is so frustrating, some of the lazy stuff that he'll do. But when he's not playing like that, he's an unstoppable monster of a player. He is a monster. Like, <laughs> if you look at last year, you know, I don't remember if it was January, February. Everyone was hurt. And, yeah. You know, like, he was, I, I for me, his MVP caliber there for 10, 12 games in the league. Uh, at I least think Nate yeah. was gone, right? I yeah. do believe he, Nate was. He, he was doing it by himself. Literally, I mean, he was. He scored like six straight goals across four games. He was the only guy scoring for Colorado. That, that, and that's my point. With him. I think he's a victim a little bit of his personality at times. Again, not a guy I know personally, but you can hear the guys talking. He's a happy-go-lucky guy, and he's you know he's he's one of those guys that's just a 
a fun guy to he be He doesn't around. have that McKinnon serious factor, for that's sure. Right. Yeah. That's right. And then I think sometimes, you know, and, and again, I always say that. There's a kid that plays with my son, and he's, uh, he's 6'3". You know what I mean? I, I'm sorry. I lied to you. He's 6'6". Six, six. Oh, he's so been 6'3 <laughs> and above since age 12, and it's like, I'm, I always tell him, you know what your biggest problem is? And he always looks at me, you know what? I'm always, your size. Your size is your biggest problem because it's so it looks so bad when you're not on top of your game or if you're not really going all out. It looks worse than the guy that's 5'10 or whatever it is because you stick out, you know what I mean, like a sore thumb. And that said, and I think it's a little bit of that with, with, with Miko. So big and so, and you got to remember, this guy logs minutes. And it's tough, and it's tough to play those minutes. And these guys play a lot and a ton of minutes. And just with his style, sometimes I do believe it makes him look like he's lazy. I think sometimes just he's got nothing in the tank. You know what I mean? And he's just trying to, you know, again, when you have nothing in the tank, I think he's gotten better the last few years, especially in the playoffs, to realize that keep it simple when you don't have that and then don't do the plays that drive A.J. nuts. And I get that. I, yeah. I, I totally see it. I'm not debating it. And I'm sure it drives so, you know the coaching staff nuts too sometimes. You know what I mean? He's, he's that player. You know. Well, look to to defend him a little bit, and I'm not fully on this side, but just to play devil's advocate. Look at his career, his rookie year, his actual first full NHL season. He hurts his ankle in the rookie tournament, misses a bunch of time. You look at uh, 21 going into the playoffs. He hurts his midsection ribs area, is not full healthy going into those playoffs, and at the end of the season. I do think Miko has learned a little bit to protect yeah. himself physically. Going into the 22 playoffs, remember yeah. he well, was really sick. That was sick. sick, a little That's bit right. different than injury, but he but lost yes. a bunch of weight and he was cruising around at and, the end of that and season. And so he was like, sure. mm, "I'm not quite the tank that I normally am," and so he managed it. <laughs> yep. So I do think there is a little bit of management there with Miko. He understands how to keep himself healthy or healthy enough. Yeah. And then oh, look, there's no doubt. We've seen it close to the level of McKinnon in the playoffs. When the time comes, he shows up, and he is a monster, just like other fantastic players. Yeah, I mean, he has 87 <laughs> points in 70 postseason games. It's a That's ridiculous. joke, man. That's wrong. Like, you know what I mean? It's wrong. <laughs> it is. Like, it's, it's not right. He is... <laughs> He's 14 and 12, 21 and 15, 13 and 10, 25 and 20, and 10 and 7. Since that first postseason. That's ridiculous. And, and, and that's why, you know, for me, I, I love him. I do. I, I do love the fact, like I said, you go back to a 10th overall pick. He's not a first overall pick, but he's so dominant. And then it's a little bit like I'll go to Edmonton for a second. Everybody talks about McDavid, right? Yeah. Everybody talks about Nate. Everybody, you know what I mean? Next thing you know, like, there's a guy named Dreisaitl. It's pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. so okay. And then it's the same thing with... Guy with, with an Art Ross and a heart in his cabinet. That, you know what I mean? And then you hear McDavid... And I'm not saying McDavid's yeah. not good. He's, he's unbelievable. You know, he's out of his planet. You know what I mean? Like, it's... it's, it's but just, these great players tend to have that one-two punch. That's right. And then, obviously, what's his name? The big moose there. He's that guy here. You tend to forget about him. You know, because <laughs> you talk about Nate. And then, obviously, we'll talk about McCarr. But there's so many other guys. Yeah. He gets lost a little bit in the shuffle. And I think... You know, he doesn't mind that either. I, don't I think agree. He's the guy that I wants agree. the spotlight. You know what I mean? So yep. I think he's perfect in his role that way, and I think it just suits his personality. I also I also think that he gets devalued because he plays next to McKinnon so much, where, you know, 
people will casually just be like, oh, well, he plays next to McKinnon. Anybody can do that. But you look at Arturi Lekkinen as a great example of this. Plays next to Nathan McKinnon all of last season. Has a career year. He has 50 points. Yep. Right? Miko has double. <laughs> right. And Miko Rantanen has more goals than Arturi Lekkinen has points. <laughs> and it's like he was great in the, the what, 13 games that McKinnon yeah. missed. Yeah. He wasn't that great yeah. that it makes up that difference between yeah. those two guys. Yeah. Like. Could you look at a guy like Lekkinen and say that McKinnon is is pushing him across the finish line to a, a higher statistical profile than he would be otherwise? Probably. Of course. Is he doing the same thing with Rantanen? Very, very likely. Yeah. But also, <laughs> but Rantanen a guy is from so good. To 100 points is a little different than Yeah, Rantanen is, <laughs> is so good on his own that it's just the best making the best even better. Yep. Guys that are just meant to play together. This is not like like Arturi Lekkinen is a lot more of the Chris Kunitz next to Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Yes. You know, than then in like a oh well now Evgeny Malkin is next to Sidney Crosby and oh well anybody could do it. Like, no, these guys yeah. are all they're separately, they're incredible players. They are truly elite, best among the best. I will say, and this is kind of going back to McKinnon more than Rantanen, but that is one of the hallmarks of a great player. And we've seen over the last four-ish since McKinnon's rise, he is that guy. He can You can throw anyone yeah. on his wings, and he will make them into a good player. He was doing it with Matt Calvert in 2018. Yeah, I mean, there like, was a stretch where Logan O'Connor was there, and it, like, it worked for a little, you know, for a week. You make everyone around you better. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. And, and that's what, you know, the Joes and Peter and then obviously Nate and, you know, they make everyone around them better players. And it's a privilege to play with those guys. And it's not always that easy. And some guys can play with those guys and some guys can't, you know. But if you go back to Ranton and, and there's something that I've always noticed over the years uh, with Finnish players and Swedish players. There's something they do in youth hockey over there because I tell you one thing, for the majority of the players that come in this league, like their hockey IQ and their, their knowledge of how to play the game at a young age and coming into the league when they're young, is, 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 it's, it's, it's astonishing the way they play. They play so right. You know, look at Lekkanen. Look, they play the game the right way. Yeah. And I'm not bashing Hockey Canada or, or USA Hockey. or I'm saying that there's something they do different there. Uh, and we've talked about that with guys over the years, and it is a different type of of training that you know they do when they're young, and it, you know the, you go. That's why some teams send a prospects in the Finnish league, you know, and then all the games are one nothing. You know what I mean? Like you know, <laughs> yeah. because it's so strategic and it's like a chess game, and you know everybody kind of understands like where to go and how to go. So so Rantanen for me has got that in him, you know, and that's why I do believe that he is a 200 foot player. Um, and he understands that game, but again, you throw that stuff in there with a the shot, and good things happen. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and you're talking about making players around you better, and like, isn't that the argument going into this season specifically, with the way that the Avs are built right now? Isn't that the main concept behind maybe breaking up McKinnon and Ranton and having yep. him next to Johansson and say Nachushkin? and then and then you have Lekkinen and Duran next to McKinnon, and it's like. You trust that Rantanen is going to elevate those guys on that second line because he is so good that he has now gotten to the point where maybe they're best served apart, certainly in the regular season uh, when you're just trying to get through 82 games to get to the real stuff. 
you know, is, isn't that, isn't that part of the appeal there is I, I agree. And then somewhere lost in the shuffle is you got to, you got to overcome somewhere in the lineup, the loss of, of game. Right. I mean, yeah. I know it's been a year now. You know what I mean, like, but somewhere, somehow, like last year, there was always that hope. Oh, he's coming back or, Oh, okay. Maybe another four weeks. Oh, maybe another month or, you know, he's going to be there, but Right now, it's 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 reality, right? So I think you're right. I think splitting up to and they're big boys. You know, I mean, they can figure it out. You know, Sackick, Forsberg, they played with. I mean, I can tell you that Joe's plays with some stiffs on his left side for for many years. <laughs> you know, what I mean, me being one of them at one point for a while, and <laughs> and it makes you better. You know, what I mean, and that's that's just the reality of it, and, and it comes with the pressure we talked about yesterday and the money and and and. You know the status that they have within the league and their team and superstars make people better mm -hmm. and if you're a superstar and all you do is complaining uh to the coaching staff about who you're playing with and you just want to play it doesn't work you know what i mean like I've, I've been with guys and i tell you one thing they don't care they're like give me anybody i'll make him go you know what i mean of course you have preferences on some guys but if you're in there just complaining then then you're not a superstar you know what i mean because superstars sure. they They'll play with anybody and make you score 10 this year for sure. <laughs> Maybe not. Hey, if they could make me score one, that's uh, <laughs> that's Hall of Fame worthy probably. Just stand on the back door, put my <laughs> stick down, and just hey. wait. <laughs> yes, sir. It could be done. Well, if you are looking at a future as bright as McKinnon and Miko's, make sure you're wearing your Shady Rays. And get yours today at ShadyRays.com. They have... A whole boatload of different styles, polarizations, all of those things. They're fantastic sunglasses. I really can't get enough of them. I, I've never been a big sunglasses guy, but it turns out I like not squinting and going blind. So sunglasses are pretty cool. Uh, and Shady Rays does a great job of that for a very affordable price. It's not like these expensive designer sunglasses, but the quality is just as good. It's been rated five stars by over 250,000 people. And the best part is if you break them, lose them, or just plain don't like them in the first 30 days, you can send them back and Shady Rays will replace them completely for free. So go check them out. Use code DNVR when you purchase. If you get two pairs or more, you get 50% off your order. Uh, ShadyRays.com, or if you're local, they have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall. And then once you got your cool sunglasses, take them out onto the field with Volo. Volo, the biggest social sports company in yeah. the country. You can go to volo.com slash Denver to get in on the action today. Use code DNVR10 when you order to sign up for a league or get the Volo Pass so you get unlimited drop-ins for 20 bucks a month. And the DNVR10 code will get you $10 off. You can go hang out in pretty much every sport under the sun, from flag football to volleyball to badminton to... I don't think they have a highlight league. You, that might be a little bit too too far, but they do have racquetball, so count it. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that Volo isn't running a league that requires you to sign waivers to play the sport. Yeah, probably because not. Because there's a threat, such a high threat die. of serious injury. <laughs> Seems unlikely that it's, that it's would a, be the world that Volo wants to live social sports in. company, not a yeah. death sports yeah, company. Not a super intense... Uh, <laughs> Not not ultra sweaty like that. But we have a, a kickball league going on as well as a handful of DNVR folks in the pickleball league. So go in and get your action. If you want to try it out, you can get the beta pass for the Volo Pass, which is just 10 bucks a month for the first three months. Go have some fun. And then a lot of the Volo folks will always come down to the DNVR bar to have drinks, play some flip cup after their sports. So it's always a good time with Volo. Again, check them out. Volo.com slash Denver. Uh, Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. 
look, we saved the best for last. I don't want to take anything away from McKinnon and Ranton and great players. We all agree they're on a Hall of Fame path, but Kale McCarr built different. Do we all think that there is a real conversation when it's all said and done that Kale McCarr may be the best defenseman ever? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just that simple. Every time that dude steps on the ice, it's just you. You don't even have to watch. You just know. You can feel it. There are. This is such a golden age of great young defensemen. You know, with with Makar and Fox and Darlene and Haskinen. You know, the Hughes brothers. All these guys. They're all they're all awesome. And as much respect as I have for all those guys and think that they are legitimately great. They ain't Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr <laughs> is just a completely different caliber of player. Uh, I think that he is, you know, if we're, if we're comparing this version of the Holy Trinity to the Holy Trinity part one, <laughs> he's the Peter Forsberg, but so far with better health. Yep. You know, he's just, he's such a unique talent, such a special player. And it's, it's not just what he's capable of doing physically it's the mental side of things it's who he is as a person it's the drive to win it's the humility that he that he carries himself with where he's always trying to get better there's never a satisfied like i'm kale mccarr you know like i'm look i'm on the cover of a video game i'm i've won a norris trophy and a con Smythe and a hobie baker and wow look at this trophy cabinet and i'm 24 years old and it's already completely full like there just isn't that ego that he has. There's there's obviously confidence, but it's the combination of them that I think makes him so special and why I believe that as long as health remains a minor, minor factor in his career, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that we'll ever be able to talk about anybody the way that we talk about Bobby Orr in hockey history, but I I think if he if, if he ends up in a tiered pyramid next to Bobby Orr at the tip top of that thing wouldn't be surprising I I think that's I just think that's where we're headed I agree I mean it's if you look and you're saying Bobby Orr I remember back then uh, Wayne Gretzky talking about Bobby Orr like the best player he's ever seen you know play live and I know he's always said Gordy Howe is the best player but obviously Gordy Howe being in a different era yeah. it's a little bit like what we were talking about earlier you know like comparing different decades and it's yeah. hard you know if you if, if you if that's what you know or you were too young to remember but bobby orr was special a little bit uh, i'm older in a sense but i'm younger than, than the bobby orr era uh for me it's more the the paul coffees and the ray bork and, sure yeah you know ray i mean those guys dominating games and and but if you're compared to those names i mean but i'm not afraid to say like aj and and i know rudo's not but you know, I, I do believe he's going to be the all-time greatest defenseman to ever play the game because it's it's special to watch, and you're watching it, and I'm in awe of him. I am. I'm not yeah. afraid to say it. I, I, I'll catch myself. And, again, I've been around NHL ranks my whole life, but I'll catch myself at family sports walking by, and if he's there, I'm watching him. And <laughs> it's almost like, you know, crazy in a sense. I'm just like, you know maybe being a stalker or something. I'm just watching him, and I just do and uh, things that he does, and I'm just like, oh, this is crazy. How can he do that? You know what I mean? And and the, his ability on his edges is what separates him from, from so many people. If you're talking about, you know, Bobby Orr and Ray, Figuratively you know, and I mean, literally. Like, yeah, his edges are absolutely crazy. I mean, mm. there's something you can see. He's got that stutter step. Like, 
I'm a winger, and I, and, and this is guy. This is a guy. Obviously, I'm covering in my own end, and I see this guy go sideways and dance on the blue line. I'm just having a heart attack, and I'm passing out. Like I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you, there's no way you can. He makes people look foolish. Like, he does. He makes, he makes NHL players look dumb and bad. But at the end of the day, they're not dumb and bad. He's just that good. It's probably not quite as stark a contrast as the way people think about Patrick Waugh revolutionizing the goalie position with the yep. butterfly yeah. and all of that. But it's a similar in a sense of the things Kale McCarr does on the blue line. You're already seeing, as you mentioned, guys like Fox, guys like Haskin, Defensemen in the league already are adopting those styles. And if you go down and look through junior hockey, every defenseman is learning those things now. They, they're imitating Kale McCarr at every level well, of the game. How do you find the next Kale McCarr is you have Kale McCarr and everybody adores him. Yep. Like my, I don't know, I don't know my wife's brother's son. I don't know what that is in relation to me. Um, his favorite player. Huge Winnipeg Jets fan. Huge. Favorite player? It's Kel McCarr. He wears number eight. Like, the, the, the face that he makes anytime that I'm around him and he wants to talk about Kel McCarr, it's just like, <laughs> like, and, and like there's tons of them. They're going to be all over Canada. They're going to be all over the United States. Kids growing up now watching Kel McCarr wanting to be the next Kel McCarr. And that's going to revolutionize the position yep. over the next 20 years. You know, guys that are 15, not eight, yep. want to be Kale McCarr. And, and that's, where, that's where you're talking about revolutionizing a position. It won't look the way that it did with Wah, where you watch goaltenders in the 80s. And it's not. And you're like, yeah. what the hell? And then you watch Wah, and you're like, this is so much better. Yep. You Even now, you watch him, and you're like, this still looks a lot more modern than... Yeah. You watching goalies in the '80s literally standing up and watching Gretzky like fling puck pucks five on the ball. ice <laughs> like past him, you know, where you're like, there just wouldn't be a goal today. But I just it—he's going to change that position because I think NHL teams, and you can already see it. I don't know that this is as much a direct result of Makar himself or just the era we're in, but teams are already looking at. Offensive defenseman and saying, I would rather my team have yeah. the puck than the Eric Branson type, you know, the, the Josh Manson type, the big, sturdy, physical guy that is miserable to play against and excels in his own zone, but may not be great at anything related with I've, the puck. I've, especially over the last year or two, I've kind of charged at the idea of the Avs are revolutionizing playing positionless hockey, essentially. And they, it's more of a, like, four and one. You Most lineups, the Avs run still have one proper defensive defenseman in a sense. But even then, like, Devon Taves will jump up into a play when Watching it's Devon Taves regularly lead rushes yeah. when you don't think of him as an offensive defenseman who just averages 50 points a year now. It's just, it's obscene to watch. Like, it's the way that the Avs play in particular, I don't... I. I don't know that a lot of coaches are going to have the balls <laughs> to just tell all of their defensemen to just send it to complete. Just yeah, Jack Johnson, just do it. Like go get you some, my man. If you yeah. see an opening, do it. Yeah. So I don't know that a lot of coaches are going to have the stomach for that kind of high wire act, but it, I think it emphasizes in Colorado specifically how smart you have to be to play avalanche hockey, to be able to play that fast and and that aggressive. You have to pick your spots and you have to know what you're doing. Because when it goes poorly, it really goes poorly. Well, 
And all of this stems from a Kale McCarr who has, that's the thing. Yeah. Unbelievable it, it, skill, unbelievable skating, unbelievably intelligent. It has the ability to play physically. Like, where's the weakness? It doesn't exist. Like, it's, in, it's defending right in front of his own net. And, and, he, and, that was, yeah. and that's what makes him, the Avalanche, so successful, too. So you got to remember, it's about 30 minutes a night where this guy absolutely controls the game. Yep. Yeah. And then the other team is chasing. You know what yeah. I mean? And so, so for half the game, you know that when this guy's on the ice, you're not touching the puck. I mean, because usually, you know, and that's probably why he's not, like you said, maybe not the best defender because he probably doesn't have enough reps. He's never, he has, I mean, he, 40% of the time, that's, that's the other he, team has the puck. Yeah, like it's, so it's, and he's a combination. And I love the fact that you just said, wow, and revolution, uh, you know, the yeah. revolution of goaltending and obviously him as, as a defenseman. But, you know, if you're going to compare this guy, like I always said, like, he skates, he makes rushes like Bobby Orr did, you know, from, from, from yeah. highlights from back yep. then. He's got the he's got the shimmy, you know, move that only him has. And I know people are trying to copy him now, but he's got it down pat. Like, where yeah, nobody else is close to him. Arguably but the best shooting lane creator in the exactly. NHL. Exactly. And then, you know, I'm talking about Brian Leach again. This is a guy I played with for Pretty me. I call player. it, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I call the most underrated player ever that I ever played with. People are like, what do you mean underrated? He won a Collins fight. I'm like... Underrated. This guy's so good. Like I had no idea he was that good. And then for me, it reminds me of he's just a, a, you know a quiet leader, good guy, always happy, and he has that move on the blue line, rush the puck like or maybe uh, you know get pucks through like Ray did. You know, yep. so you compare like his IQ in the offensive zone of Sandis Ozelinch. You know what I mean? Like I'm just saying, if you're you pulling a lot of parts from a lot the, of really the, good players, that's unbelievable. <laughs> and then that's why he's unique, and that's why I'm not afraid to say he's going to be the greatest of all time. And I know you're not afraid either. Yeah. And it's because when you combine that, he is that good and that comparable to all those guys. And, and the rest of his game is better than all those guys. You know, so it's like, yeah, I'm confident. I can say that, again, health-wise and everything. And yeah. keep going. And then team, obviously, team uh, success will, will lead this, this player to be something special in the history of uh, Denver, you know, Colorado sports. You know, because yeah. and, 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 and the biggest word he's... For me, with him, is humility. Like it's, yep. it's amazing because you almost want him to be cocky because you're like, man, you're that good. You should be allowed to be cocky. It doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like it's like, you shouldn't be allowed to be cocky. It's almost it's, a little annoying to yeah, talk about something yeah. transcendent that he does, and he just shrugs it off and he's like, oh god, Loki, or yeah. you know, the guys around me really did a great job on that play, and you're like, bro. <laughs> You just danced three guys and went top it's, shelf on a guy that'll be in the Hall of Fame someday. Like, it's okay to dab yourself up a little, and he just won't do it. The, Forsberg, he just won't for, do I, it. I'm gonna cut you off there, but on that no, point, no, no. Like, like Forsberg was a lot like that. Yeah, he'd be like, "Oh, you're going to eat after the game." And it's like, "Oh, I was so bad," mm. and then you're like. Funny, we won three and one. You had two and one. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you were pretty good. Like he'd be like, "Oh no, I was bad." And you know, it's almost like, "What? If you're bad, I must have been really I, awful." The you thing I mean? is, like, yeah. Like I think that almost creates more impressive moments on the rare occasion where McCart does something like the Chicago goal a couple years ago, oh and you God. see him actually like get pumped about it. You're like, "Oh." That was actually like yeah. something special. Like when yeah. McDavid dances all the Rangers and yeah. then scores, and you see how amped up yeah. he is. Where it's like, even he knows in that moment that, that how was special that was. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it just goes to show players like that are on a different level of, of yeah. like, that's the bar for them to celebrate. Well, we're talking about revolutionizing. You talk about that shimmy move, and I've always compared it to Allen Iverson's crossover. Yep. 
because it like it wasn't like Allen Iverson invented the crossover in the NBA. He just did it in such a way that nobody else ever <laughs> made it had. undefendable. Yeah. And and then what happened? An entire generation <laughs> grew up watching Allen Iverson destroy the and NBA. Started doing with that, the crossover, yeah. and now they're all great at it. Yeah. And I think that you're going to see that shimmy move that he does. An entire generation of NHL defensemen is going to come up and be like, "We just we, do this we now. can all yeah. try to do an imitation of this. We can do a form of this, and it's going to be it's just going to be part of the skill set." And sometimes it becomes problematic with like youth hockey, like you're saying, because you know it's a copycat thing, right? Yeah. So you want to yeah. you want to do what Kale McCart does, which which I I believe is unstoppable. If I'm a winger, I'm standing still there, and he's doing that move. There's no way I mean, I can't defend it. I, I I don't know anyone like, that can. Like how do you? you like if you skate at him, he skates around you. If you stop it. and stand still, he skates around you. <laughs> and that's where what I do you say do? that's where I say it's problematic because now you got those kids now. They're like, oh, Kale McCarr does it, and then you're like, hey, you know, maybe it's not the right play right there. You, you know, don't we do gave it. up a breakaway, yeah. you know. And he's like, but Kale McCarr does it. And I'm like. I know, I know, but you're not yeah, Kale McCarr. When Kale yeah. McCarr shimmies, he shimmies out of the way. You get run over at the blue line. Yeah. Well, and we've seen a couple of guys try to do it where they've got a big winger that's bearing down on them, and they'll try and dance that guy, and, just, and the winger just goes through them and takes the puck, and it's like, it sucks to not be Kale McCarr. Yeah. That's it. It's not fair. You ain't Kale, buddy. That's why we're talking about him. Exactly yeah. right. And like four years in the NHL, and he's already been... Oh. As dominant yeah. as he has, it's ridiculous. You, you add another ten years to this, and it really like. I think ten years from now we have that conversation. Oh, I, I, like, I'm with I, you. I, assuming I the, assuming I, relative health and all of that. Yeah, but and I doubt the three of us are still doing this podcast in ten years. Probably not. But <laughs> if we are, we're going to be able to pull this episode and be like, "Remember when we talked about this?" <laughs> but also, I think we're going to talk about it a lot moving forward because Kale McCarr is. He is the defining defenseman of this generation, and he's going to force his way into a Nick Lidstrom, Brian Leach, Paul Coffey, Bobby Orr conversation. Yeah. And I think the difference, too, between Kale McCarr and other players we talk about, uh, there's one thing. I think we talked about generational, like, you, 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 I don't want to say the defend your generation but you're protective of your generation and you know like you're saying about Sackick Forsberg which yeah. is totally totally normal but I think with Kale McCarr you see the older generation I can tell you for example my dad like that was his favorite player he was like wow I'm in love with this guy and I, as soon as he got on the ice with that Calgary series and he was just like wow this guy's amazing and I think guys are not afraid like I'm an older guy and I and I you know I defend the older generation with Wayne and those guys and yeah of course I'm not afraid to say Kel McCarr is gonna be the greatest one you know what I mean and I, I and that's I think that's what separates him a little bit from these other guys right? I I think it almost clouds the judgment of the younger generation too having experienced this with Forsberg and Sackick is it took me a good portion of my adult life to realize just truly how good they were. Yeah. Because, like, during my teenage years, there were a lot of really good players that I watched and be like, yeah, but they're not Sackick. Like, right. Well, and, and the world the world was so much bigger back then. Yep. You know, the the yep. television exposure to all the other great significantly players. Significantly more minimal. You yeah. might get to see those guys play three or four times a year. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then you would be reliant on them to see them in the postseason, stuff like that. Yeah. Now you can see everybody every night, and that Kale McCarr still separates 
in that way, I think, is meaningful. Oh, yeah. Where you're able to sit and watch. You can go on Twitter and you can watch highlights of the best players doing the craziest shit every single night. Yeah, you can oh, just yeah. go on there and do that. It's just readily available to you. And yep. he's still, it's completely he's different. Right. It's still that good. Even with that much more availability in comparison. And it's, it's not... I see the guy arguing in our chat for Yossi over he's Makar not, for the Norris. He's like, not arguing anything. He's just saying stuff. I know, but uh, but I wanted to talk about that because we all went into the end of that season thinking that vote was going to be pretty close. It, and ended, it, 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 it ended up It wasn't that close. close. Oh, yeah, it, right. wasn't it wasn't that, that close. close. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It, it ended up, I mean, it was pretty close in terms of, it, it, like, like I think I think Yossi ended up with more first place finishes or yeah, first place votes but Makar had but more all of Makar's votes yeah. were first or second and yeah. Yossi's won he had a like, bunch like, of fourth and fifth that was yeah. like That's the right. stack of it was that Yossi's spread was and wider it just, and Makar it was really just wasn't that close <laughs> and it ended up being like a, an okay margin you know it's not comparable to others like Eric Carlson this last year it was yeah, like yeah. Yep. he smoked the field usually it's pretty clear cut by the end that one was tough had Yossi gotten to 100 points I think they would have given it to him he didn't and Kale McCarr um, did it on a top team. And then I know that the voting took place beforehand, but then going into that playoff series and watching them head-to-head, -head, Kale McCarr kicks the shit out of the Predators, and Roman Yossi <laughs> had that one really nice goal. One play, yeah. And was on the wrong end of a number of plays in Meanwhile, the defensive zone. Kale McCarr is winning games in overtime. <laughs> on a play where that starts with the Roman Yossi yeah. block. Yeah. And then Roman Yossi's literally... On his Broken. knees, looking yeah. up at Kale McCarr Watching for that the game, game end. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was it was a perfect encapsulation of that Norris race. Pretty close, dude, but you're not. You're just not Kale McCarr. <laughs> uh, all right. We do got to wrap this show up. We are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get eight different kinds on tap down here at the bar or find it anywhere in the 50 United States. Use your local liquor store. Check the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com to find it near you. Uh, this is always a fun conversation. We are very lucky to be able to talk about players that are as good as, as a Makar, as a McKinnon, as a Miko. There's like five or six franchises that exist yep. that have never had a player as good as Kale McCarr. So, Maybe so. even Nathan McKinnon. Like, Cherish it. Yeah. Just so, so special to see him. And knowing that... You know, the Avs will do whatever they have to do to keep that guy. Uh, also, if you want to keep up with the Avs, Megan was down at Family Sports today checking out the captain's practices. I know she posted uh, about everyone who was there, so go follow her on Twitter uh, and all of us as well. You can follow DNVR underscore Avalanche to keep up with all of us out there. Be sure to like and subscribe here on YouTube. That helps us out a ton. Uh, but we are out of here for today. We will be back uh, with Megan tomorrow to talk top line value. We're comparing uh, the Central Division's top lines. I think it's actually a pretty interesting conversation when you start getting into the money value on some of these teams' top players. So tune in for that, and we will talk to you tomorrow.